Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. I want to say thanks to Randy and to Michael for covering for me while I was gone. Again, I was, for those of you who go, you were gone? I didn't even know. Um, I was gone for two Sundays, went on vacation with my family uh, down to La Paz, visited our friends, and we had a a Mexican Thanksgiving, had uh, tacos and uh, tamales and it was really, really good and really got to enjoy the time with my family. Um, as crazy as we are, it's a small miracle getting 11 people to go on vacation together uh, and one of them being a baby um, going through the airport. You should try that sometime. It'll keep you, keep you alive, that's for sure. But it was a great time and it's great to be back and I'm so grateful to have people who can step in and give such inspiring uh, talks to you guys And so if you have not listened to their talks, please uh, go online. You can see the podcast and find them and enjoy them because they were amazing. But we have entered into Advent. Advent is really describing a, a coming. It is a revealing. And what we do every year is talk about the birth of Christ And really making ourselves aware, not that he was born so much, but what that birth means and how Christmas can still change the world. It really is meant to. And so today I'm going to be talking about truth. And we're going to be looking at Advent and how it relates to truth and the importance of it. So this morning I'm going to talk to you about footwear, going out to eat, Wikipedia, and dating and divorce, okay? Open with me first, though, to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, and we're going to start at verse 28, and I'm kind of working my way backwards. We're going to start at the end of Jesus's life here when he's standing before Pontius Pilate. And in verse 28, It says, you can follow along or else uh, Rick's going to have it up on the screen as well. It says, then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Now, I first got to stop. They didn't want to defile themselves by going into this heathen's house, but they were plotting to kill someone. Okay? 
something doesn't fit right. But before we get too heavy on them, let's kind of reflect how many times we play similar games, right? So they're taking Jesus before Pilate, and he comes out and he basically says, okay, what accusations do you have against this man? Verse 30, they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. In other words, we're not going to tell you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fill the word that Jesus had spoke to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Verse 32, three, excuse me. So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is born, who is of the truth, listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. A familiar story and one that has this powerful interaction between Jesus and Pilate, the governor. And when Pilate gives this kind of exclamation, what is truth? It is something, a question that we need to grasp as well. Because many times what we think truth is, we think truth is knowing certain things. We equate it with knowledge or information. If I know the right things, I know the truth. But we limit our understanding when we do this. We kind of put things in a category that doesn't allow us to see things maybe more fully. There's a a little exercise I want to do with all of you, and I, I call it a shoe or a sandal. And so I want you, when I give you this word, I want you to say whether or think, because if all said it, might be confusing. I want you to think, is this more like a shoe or is this more like a sandal in your mind? Okay, I'll give you a few words and then you can kind of put them into the category that you think of. A sock, is it more like a shoe or more like a sandal? It might be fun to hear. Okay, someone says it out loud anyway. Flip-flop, more sandal, okay. A boot, is a clog more like a shoe or a sandal? A guitar. A baby. A freeway. 
a puppy. You see, you guys, have the, some of you are just saying answers because you think I got to be 50% right or wrong, right? You see, we have no trouble putting these two items into a category when it fits one of our bins, when it fits something that we already have an association with it. And so you say sock and you immediately think one or the other. You say flip-flop and you're thinking one or the other. You should be thinking sandal, by the way. You know, and, and but then when I get to a baby or a guitar, it's like all of a sudden you run out of categories. This, this, this doesn't fit with the categories for shoe or for sandal. It is limiting my options, and so I don't have a place to actually put these things. And you see, the same thing I think is true when we think of truth. If you think of truth as just information, knowing things, then I think you are limiting your options to all that truth is meant to be. And Jesus pushes this category in a very powerful way. He says things like in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you think, how can a person be the truth? Is it a shoe or is it a sandal? It doesn't seem to fit in that kind of a category. And he he puts truth in a totally different category that's called love. And rather than it being called thinking, It's actually called relations. It's called interaction. It's called life. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? What is the most important thing for people to know, to believe? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't describe love as just an emotional thing, though he invites us to be involved emotionally with it. And he doesn't describe it as just a thing that we think about, though he invites us to involve our minds in participation with it, but he presents love as the purpose, really, of life itself, as truth, and invites us to live it. See, to recognize truth, we don't have the ability to measure it because we don't have all the information, but we are invited to encounter it. And so truth is not just something we know, it is something that we encounter. And so get rid of all these little boxes that we have. Love is a bigger category than thinking. It's a bigger category than just emotion. So when we just think about what love means, we shrink it to fit a container Is it a shoe? Is it a sandal? God invites us to counter truth in a love category that blows it beyond any category. It blows it beyond just our ability to understand something. But, you know, we already know this. We really do. One of the things I love doing is going out with friends or with my wife to eat. In fact, now that there's eight people living in our home, sometimes that's what we do. 
to get sanity, right? It's like, you know, it's a little loud in here. Let's go out and we'll just go out by ourselves someplace and we'll sit for an hour and just chill and eat and have a good time, okay? I love doing that or I love going out with my friends. I just went the other day, uh, our friend Brian, who I want you to keep in prayer, he's uh, having his kidney taken out and given to his aunt next Wednesday. And so a lot of you know Brian Olivia, the poet. And so I went out to eat with him just to see how he is doing. And, and of course, let's get together. Let's eat. So we went and had a huge breakfast, you know, and then we went back to his place, talked for a little bit, had a great time. And so I love meeting with people, my friends, and I love eating. They kind of go together. See, but I also know that if I want to lose weight, I need to exercise and I need to eat healthy. I know that. And I know how to exercise. And I know how to watch what I eat. Thing is, I love pizza. Thing is, I love carbs and I love meeting with friends. And the two of them go together so well. And so even though I know what I should do, what I really want to do ends up being what I actually do. And I've said this before, you can know the right things, but if you love the wrong things, you will make the wrong choices. It's the way we are wired. Why do I choose these things? Truth is, I love them. My loves have overcome my no's. The truth is, I don't need to change what I know. I need to change what I love. That's how we make a difference. The people who move past these things start loving something else and they're able to make the change. And when you think of how much you can know, you have to understand just knowledge is always growing. In the Encyclopedia Britannica, there are over 4 million articles about information. How can you know them all? And some of you are surprised that I even mentioned Encyclopedia Britannica because you haven't seen or used one in 10 years probably. Longer, okay. So you might have something like Wikipedia, which by the way, they find out is actually as accurate or even more so than Encyclopedia Britannica. Just throwing that out there. But in Wikipedia, there are over 22 million articles. How do you know all of these things? It's impossible. You see, and if truth is just about knowing, there is no way that you can know the truth because there is too much for you to know. Sometimes I get frustrated when I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to understand, you know, the government tax bill. Oh my gosh, you know, it's like, what's going on? And so you hear something and you read this and you go, huh, that's interesting. But then you read something else and you go, huh, well, what are these two is true? And then you have to go back to something else. And then they throw in a footnote and you have to go to the footnote to find out who they're quoting. And then you go to find out who they're quoting and it doesn't exist. So then you're wondering, well, do I throw out all of what they said? And it gets frustrating. If you've ever had to do some kind of uh, writing a term paper or something like that, you know that there's so much information. Pretty soon you just kind of shut down and say, I know enough. Because if I keep going, I will explode. I will know too much and I will come up with nothing because all I'm doing is clicking, clicking, clicking. 
And now I'm making recipes for tea cookies, you know, or something like that. It's like, how did I get here from taxes to tea cookies? I don't know, but I'm going to make some, you know, you just kind of, because I love them, you know, we have to understand that truth is more than just knowing information. We will never know all of it. We will never get all of the information, but can we still know the truth? In Psalm 147 Psalmist says, he heals, speaking of God, the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. Sounds very relational. Sounds like love. He determines the number of the stars, and he gives all of them their names. Sounds like information. Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Instead of living with a, a limited amount of truth, we're invited to love the truth that has no limit. And by being in relationship with the living God, we began living truly. And we began living truly with other people. John would say, that anyone who does not love does not know God. Well, but I know God. I know, you know, all the attributes of God. I know he's omniscient. I know he's omnipotent. I know about the laws. I know about the commands, right? This is what the Pharisees who brought Jesus before Pilate, they, they knew all these things. But if you do not love, you do not know God. You have a shoe or a sandal, but you don't have the truth. Another problem with knowing is that all of our knowing is filtered by our biases. And all of us have them. Have you ever talked to someone who believes something and then you give them data that would prove their belief incorrect, but what they believe overrides the data. No, the earth is flat. It's like, uh, how do you argue with that? Let's talk about gravity. Let's talk about rotation. Let's talk about stars. Let's talk about this. And the, their belief overrides that because they're, and if you're a flat earth here, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Rick, you, you okay? Okay. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but we're all that way. Our biases start to override the knowledge because we want this. We hold on to it, and so we're wired that way, wanting to believe more than just wanting to know. And they call this confirmation bias. And I see this at times when I'm talking to people who are dating and want to get married, right? You find that couple, they're collecting all the information of why this is the person they should marry. Oh, he's so kind. Oh, you know, they like the same things that I do. Oh, we really get along and we talk for hours. And, and they're collecting all this information to put it in the category of why they need to be married. And then... 
Time goes by, they get married, and then all of a sudden those same people come to you and they start collecting other information of why it was wrong for them to be married and why they should no longer be married. Oh, we don't like the same things. It's like, wait a second, you collected the information before. It's only been sometimes less than a year. What happened? All of a sudden you stop liking all the same things? All the time, now everything's changed? No, what's happened is you have a confirmation bias. I want to get married, so I'm going to put all the things that I like into this category, and they're going to confirm what I already want. Or I no longer want to be married, and I'm going to put all the things I don't like and I see as problematic into another category, and that's going to become my bias of why I need to get a divorce. We already know what we want, and it determines how we interpret those facts. You see, but what we really are looking for is something that we can believe in. See, I want more than just information. I don't just want to know that someone loves me. I want to believe that someone loves me. In fact, I need to believe that someone loves me. And when I believe that, I actually live differently. When I believe that someone really cares for me, then it affects how I live. If I just have information, well, yeah, they do these nice things for me. It doesn't have the same impact as when I believe that they actually love me. And when I put knowing in a bin called loving, it pulls life out of me. It's not just a shoe. It's not just a sandal. It's a symphony. It gives purpose. It gives meaning. It gives life. Jesus said in John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love Eugene Peterson's translation. He says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You see, truth is no longer just a series of information. It becomes a person. It becomes God himself revealed to us. How do you describe that? How much information can you get that can contain that? And what happens when you find out that God loves you? How does it change you? How does it rearrange your whole purpose and focus? How does it give you hope when things seem hopeless? We are invited to love God and believe that in him we find truth. And from him we learn how to live with ourselves and with others. See, we're invited into the relationship that gives truth to us. James would say, 
If anyone thinks he is religious, anyone thinks they, they know God, that they have all this awareness and does not bridle his tongue but, de- <clears throat> but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To do these kind things, remember, if you love God, you love others. He who does not love does not know God. And so this helping the the orphans, the widows, those who are in need, that is an evidence of the relationship. That is showing that you are in the truth. And keeping yourself unstained from the world. What does that mean? I think we see it clearly in, in the dynamic that's taking place with Pilate and with Jesus. Here is Pilate, a person of authority, the governor, the Roman governor. And he is using his authority to keep his position. We've talked about this many times where if Pilate doesn't keep order there in Jerusalem, then he is on the out. So his concern, more than that for an innocent man, is his own protection. And on the other side, we have Jesus, a person who is innocent and is not there protecting himself, but is there to actually give himself for others. And there we find truth ringing loud and clear. Truth is loving others more than yourself. Truth and wholeness is seen in the person of Christ in comparison with a person who's just out to save himself. He is actually losing himself. Here is a person who is giving himself and is going to find whole new family which one rings true see Christmas is not just about knowing about Jesus being born it is understanding truth that truth is revealed in Christ who he was, how he lived, and what he did. And the example from him that we are to live so that people can hear what rings true. So this Christmas, we're not only wanting to know information about who this person is who is filled with grace and truth. We want to love him and let that grace and truth be seen in how we live. And because of this, we are doing things together as a community to help take this awareness, this information, and burst it outside of the box. There's still one name left in the Healthy Start program that uh, Pat has talked about or they've talked about the last couple of weeks. 
you can give Pat the money or give the money at the table, let them know, and Pat will buy the gift for the children in the Healthy Start program, and it'll be taken care of. And thank you for all of you who have taken time again this year and have helped make Christmas for some other child. That rings true. That looks a lot more like Jesus than Pilate. We're going to Mexico to bake cookies. If I can bake cookies, you can bake cookies, okay? I can eat cookies. If you bake them, I'll help eat them. Why? Because we have adopted these children as a responsibility that we want to stay involved with them. And so we're going to go there and just show them we love them by doing this one thing. We also have the opportunity to further the Goat and Garden project that we began last year. $200 can buy one goat and the care for two years for that goat. There's actually a person who is overseeing the care to make sure that the goats are getting the shots so that they don't get diseased, making sure that they're getting the right nourishment so that those goats can provide milk for the families and later on food. And those goats are multiplying because that's what goats do, right? It's an investment. $100 can buy the goat. Another $100 can buy the two years of care. And we want to continue that program so that every child in the school, St. Andre's, is able to be taken care of by having a goat. It helps supply food for that family. And for this garden program there at the school, it's not only providing food for the kids at that school, it's teaching the kids how to garden, and they're able to now take that home and reproduce that. Their parents are actually coming to the school and helping to participate in this, and it's having long-term dividends. And and so we're stepping into this. Every Advent, we've been doing something like that. That is our project this year. There is a card in the back. If you honor a donation has been made to the Goten Garden Project, You will get one of these cards, just again saying that you've done that. Also, those of you who have given online already, many of you know the For a Reason is the program we work with. And we have already raised, I think, $600 through Genesis online. If you would want to receive a card and say, okay, I did give, I'd like that, that's fine. If you want to give more, you can give more. Again, we can use a lot of goats and there's a lot to garden. And so we don't have a goal of, okay, this much. I know Denise put $5,000, but I think we can surpass that. And so as you feel led, give to this. Now, here's the thing, and this is where we are changing the way we live so that truth rings clear. What happens if instead of, man, I'm already strapped because it's Christmas time, what if I didn't buy one gift and instead gave it to this or didn't get that thing that I really don't need or I put off getting the new iPhone this year because I can wait another year and save myself how many hundreds of dollars? And what happens if I 
talk to my wife or talk to my kids and say, hey, what we are going to do for Christmas this year is we're going to hand make some cards or we are going to bake some cookies. We're going to go to Mexico and bake some cookies. And we're going to give them to our friends and neighbors instead of buying them things. We spend billions of dollars a year on Christmas for people who don't need anything. I know there's some that do need things, but there are so many of us who really don't need the things that we're getting. What if we move from being in a position of receiving and go to a position of giving and just say, I'm going to hand make something or I'm going to invite someone to do something with me so that it's more personable, so it's more relational. And that is going to be how we enjoy Christmas. Every year I say I'm not going to get caught up into the Christmas routine, but it is so hard not to because there is so much pressure pushing at us that I feel like I'm being pulled to have to do these things and I have to go to this party and I have to go to this party and I have to go to church and I have to teach about Jesus because it's my job, right? But I don't want to have to do anything. I want to love to do things and I want that to be the example. And so I want us to lead that example on December 17th, Sunday, December 17th, Genesis is going to buy lunch for all the people who serve here at Genesis, for all the people who are involved with leadership, for all the people who help in the children's ministry, for all the people who are here, and you're all invited. And so I'm not going to have a leadership Christmas party. I'm not going to have another party for every. I'm just going to have a Genesis Christmas lunch and you're all invited because we love you and we want to show you we care about it. And I'd love to spend more time with you guys. I would love to sit down and have lunch with you here together right afterwards. So you save yourself from having to go lunch. And this Christmas season, we're going to have time where we can maybe just chill out together. If you have to leave, you can leave. If you want to leave, you can leave. If you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to contribute towards that lunch, you can contribute. It's not an obligation. It's just something we're going to do because I need to change how I live and how I see truth so that it becomes a part of my life and so that the world can see it as well. Because by doing these things, we bear witness to the truth that God has come and has pitched his tent in our neighborhood and we have sat with him. We have seen, we have handled this truth and it has affected how we live. Paul writes in Philippians, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. How do you approve it? By living it. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May this Christmas be a time where truth takes hold of us and changes us. And it's not something we know. 
It is something that knows us, someone who knows us, and it changes how we live forever. Because you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's take the box and let's blow it open and let's live lives that are truthful. Let's pray. God, I pray that this Christmas season would challenge us to do more than celebrate a holiday. Lord, that it would challenge us to make a difference in the lives of those around us, the lives of friends, of family, the lives of children at an orphanage, the lives of children in Haiti, the the lives of people who we know we can step into and help by just giving of our time, giving of our concern. Lord, let's allow this revealing of who you are to proclaim what truth means and allow Christmas to still change the world. And Lord, I invite everyone here to struggle, even as I struggle with the busyness of this season. Lord, to to not get caught up in that, to be willing to say, no, I can't do that because I am going to be doing this instead. And may we move from a position of consuming to a position of actually sacrificing, of giving of ourselves and what we have to the betterment of the world around us. Lord, it's an opportunity we have to reclaim what your birth means and to proclaim what truth means. I do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you enter this holiday with the presence of the one who pitched his tent in your neighborhood. And may you recognize that truth is not something you merely know, but it's something you encounter. May you encounter this season. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.